You are listening to Homeschool Parents Podcast, the podcast where we chat all about the family project of homeschooling. I'm Joy Cherick. You can find me at litandlilies.com. I'm joined by my husband, Kevin Cherick. He blogs at homeschoolexperiment.com. Today, Joy and I are going to talk about why we started exploring homeschooling. I first found the books of John Taylor Gatto and started to read those, and he did a phenomenal job explaining some of the things that I felt uh, at my core from my own schooling, which was that one of the problems with school, as we traditionally understand it, is not that the rigor is not high enough. It's not that we're not good enough at what the system asks us to do. It's that the system is broken. And so as I started to read his book, A Different Kind of Teacher, and his essay, The Seven Lessons of Schooling, I started to understand a little bit about what the inherent uh, problems were with the schooling function and format. You know, the idea that you go to school and go to six or seven periods of 45 minutes to an hour at a time, the bell schedule, um, the amount of uh, discipline required from teachers and administration simply to manage the large numbers of students, and how this is all left over from an industrial mechanism to create workers for factories. This is something that Seth Godin goes into in his free ebook, Stop Stealing Dreams. And because I had not really entered the corporate workforce and become an entrepreneur after school, it didn't resonate with my uh, gifts, with what my experience providing for my family was. And so I said, oh man, does that really match up with what I wanted to do? And so that led me on a personal uh, kind of journey of discovery to find out more about what he was recommending. Gatto talks about the alternative school that he did within his public schools in New York City, which he called the lab, which was really innovative. It had uh, a day of uh, apprenticeship with someone out in the city. It had a day of service and community work. It had a day of working with your family. And they only had two days a week that was in the classroom. And part of that was involved with a semester-long independent research project. And so he did a lot of things that really broke the molds that I could think more clearly about what I might want to do with my future kids. What grade was Gatto teaching when he was doing all that innovation? Boy, that's a good question. If I recall correctly, I thought it was seventh grade. And it's important to keep in mind development. That's something you always help me with, Joy, is understanding what's developmentally appropriate for our kids because I tend to want to jump ahead. Like I'm really excited about having little adults that are fully uh, functional and can do everything that I imagine. And Joy always does a good job of kind of pulling me back. So my first foray into homeschooling was Gatto's criticism of the public school system that said that the system itself is a problem. You can send your kids to Phillips Exeter Academy and get the greatest private school in the world, but if it still follows the schooling system that was developed over the last 150 years, that was a problem. 
Gato's criticisms are that it breaks young people from their family. It takes them out of the real world. It takes them out of the community that they grow up in. And that those are the wonderful things about the world and specifically America that we've lost as we've atomized the family with young people in uh, holding cells that we call school, old people in their own holding cells, which you call nursing homes or residential assistance homes, and of course, mom and dad each going to opposite and different uh, offices. And so his message from a different kind of teacher resonated with me. And then I started to talk with Joy about it. Uh, and this was a few years, this is a few years before we got pregnant or no, it was a few years before we started to educate. I was pregnant. You were pregnant with our first. So I was five or six years ahead of time. Or maybe she was a newborn. I think she was a, I think she was a newborn. Okay. So we had five or six years to be able to research and figure out what we, what we wanted to do. That was my first inkling. How did homeschooling first come to you and what were you first drawn to, Joy? Well, I just remember you coming in and saying, hey, here's an idea. I've been doing all this research about education and a lot of people are saying we should just homeschool. These are public school educators who have teacher of the year multiple time awards. My initial response was, I'm not qualified. You're, you asked me if I would just consider homeschooling and do some research, you said, see what you think. And I think you were coming to me saying, you're the one who's going to have to actually do it. So take a look and see what you think about the landscape. I obviously had no idea because I was public schooled and had gone to public university and I even worked for the federal government for a few years. So I was just in the in the box going through the system. So once I started looking into homeschooling, I realized there was so much I didn't know about education. I didn't realize there were multiple philosophies for how to educate a child. It didn't even occur to me that there would be different ideas. And then, so once I started diving in, I started interacting with the debate that continues to this day, will continue past our own lives, of what is the best way? What is an education anyway? What I ran into was several approaches people run into when they're looking at homeschooling. So there's the classical method, and now I would almost say it's more neoclassical. The trivium and the stages of learning, and I just was really intimidated by that, the way that classical education was presented. Then there was the Montessori method or Waldorf method, unschooling, a lot of people, a lot of our peers, when we first started looking at it, were doing school at home. So what is mostly considered the traditional method. Then I also saw and looked into unit studies. I landed on the Charlotte Mason method. Yeah, and after, after I read Gatto, I went up, moved on to John Holt, and he's kind of 
understood to be the founder of the unschooling movement. And he wrote a bunch of books, you know, how children learn, how children fail. And that was appealing to me, this idea that no one is taught, people can only learn. And so people should be following their own interests, kind of an interest-led and interest-based education. Ultimately, that wasn't something that you were comfortable with. You needed a little bit more structure. Uh, I'm someone who does, I'm very comfortable without structure, but you need a little bit more structure. And so you ended up like that just wasn't going to work. One of the interesting things is when you're deciding what to do, it has to work for the student as well as the teacher in the homeschooling world. And so that's important to remember that we, we want to get the right type of schooling for each child, but the teacher, if it's the mom or the dad, still it still has to work with what they believe in and what they want to do. What I really liked and appreciated about John Holt's ideas was it took into account the personhood of the student, really challenges an educator to consider the student and not just look at the curriculum as a master to be bowed down to. I feel like reading some of the John Holt books has helped me be open-handed and hold loosely some principles that I might otherwise be legalistic about or think, oh no, this is the hill I'm going to die on. But his stuff seems to temper a lot of that and, and help an educator just be more moderate. What I really enjoyed about as I was studying was how much I was learning just about education and really starting to reflect on my own education. What I landed on was the Charlotte Mason method, as I've said before. And the reason that that method really appealed to me was it it kind of is the best of the classical education and the best of the John Holt ideas. And there is this dance between providing structure and providing what she calls a feast of ideas to feed the mind with good things to think about and to draw from the ocean of information that human history has created through great literature, studying history itself, also you know, studying mathematics and language and music and really digging into the liberal arts. It is classical education, but the approach, the way that they approach classical education, it just resonated with my heart that, oh, yes, this is what it is to be human. This is learning how to live well and preparing our students for the vision that you have once they turn middle school, high school age of being able to really start taking off and possibly doing some entrepreneurial endeavors or volunteering, working with family members. These are all wonderful things we aspire to do, but we want to make sure that they have their reading, writing, and arithmetic down. Yeah, Charlotte really writes beautifully about the human experience and the educational process. It seemed like that was really attractive to you. In reading Charlotte Mason's writings, there is almost an idealistic view of education 
that can be painted where she talks about being out of doors and making sure that your students are getting outside for six hours at least once a week and studying nature and letting nature be a teacher and of course this is heavier in the early elementary years and the Waldorf methodology also picks up on that and there's a lot of other schools of thought nowadays especially with technology being so heavy in our homes and in our culture a lot of people are really pulling back and saying no we need more nature but this is not a new idea this is an old idea that nature is healing that nature is a is a great teacher and that is important that we remember that that we see that others have gone before us and have learned and studied nature one of the things that was so surprising to me about learning about different educational philosophies was how child-centric many of the philosophies became that it was this competition that people were striving to just get their child to be better at this or that and forgetting that the child is a person the child is going to be an adult and it's not important so much that the child can do a bunch of pony tricks but what does it matter to the child and how is that feeding their mind? And what are they thinking on that will help them have wisdom and even be able to have discernment? Charlotte Mason calls it their afterlife, their, their later life when they are an adult. So I think it's important that we continue to have that goal in mind, that view that the child is going to be an adult one day. So therefore we need to be preparing him or her for that level of responsibility while also remembering that they are a child and we're not trying to make them be little adults we want them to enjoy play we want them to be free to explore for whatever reason god saw fit to have a child be a child for a a long period of time if you compare humans to other animals and there is an imagination there is play is just very unique to children the way that they play these are things that are fleeting and we want to allow them to be able to explore these their capacities in this way so that when they are grown they can know themselves they can know God and they can interact well and love their neighbor well As I continued my research into homeschool options, I recognized that the biggest advantage we would get by taking our kids out of the school system would be the flexibility of time and the ability to introduce our kids to more real-world project-based learning. Now, the majority of my interest in homeschooling is, as Joy said, with like middle schoolers and up. I, I don't get a lot of spark out of teaching a kid to read it's great when a kid knows how to read but the like almost mind-numbing grind of teaching someone the basic concepts and abstractions behind arithmetic spelling handwriting that's not what i like what i like is thinking about project-based experiences that can help them um, understand 
So the freedom that homeschooling gave me was to design project-based learning opportunities for our kids. I've got a whole plan for how to get our kids' experience in starting little micro businesses. This is a product-based business. This is a service-based business. This is a business with debt. This is a business with partners um, that we're going to be able to explore and continue to find out what opportunities are available because with the internet, things are changing so quickly in different ways that people can learn. Like right now, there are teenagers and high schoolers who are making money drop shipping on the internet, creating Shopify accounts, and then learning how to drive traffic to those accounts, how to optimize their websites for conversions. This involves search engine optimization, paid Facebook ads, influencer marketing, copywriting, graphic design, building a website. Who knows what's going to be in 10 years when our oldest is 19. And so it's an opportunity for us as a family to learn together, but then to give them the opportunity to explore different avenues could be online. It could be brick and mortar. There's a thousand different ways that people can get experience that a high school kid can start to learn these things and get some experience. So they understand I like this. I don't like this. So that they can have a much better informed decision-making process than I went to high school. I went to the best college I could get into. I took some courses. I like this major. I like that major based off of descriptions, based off of can I do the math required. So I'm really looking forward to crafting an experiential educational experience for each of our kids with a really broad-based exposure to different types of vocations so that we can as a family understand what their gifts are, their interests, what are they willing to work hard at so that they can provide for themselves, contribute to society, um, and ultimately be able to flourish uh, in the in the life that they have when they're on their own. So when did you get serious and go, oh, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to homeschool my oldest. And how did that happen? I think it was more of just a process. The more that I read, the less scared I became. The more that I understood what was required of me as the parent, I actually shifted from, I shifted from saying, oh, I can't do this or I'm not qualified to I am the only qualified person to educate my own children. What do you mean by that? That's insane. There are th millions of people more qualified than you to educate our children. Isn't that the truth? Well, I think I was looking at it from a spiritual perspective that God placed our children in our family and therefore I had a God-given responsibility to educate them, educate them, making sure that they know Jesus, making sure that they know the Bible, but then br more broadly that only I know our children, only I am the student of each one of our children in such a way that nobody else can know them. Nobody else can advocate for them. Nobody else will understand their quirks or their frustrations or their passions the way I will as the mother. So then I started to think, oh, well, what, what a wonderful gift that if our child is interested in trains, we can go get a bunch of books on trains and we can dive into that 
or like one of our children just got really into Davy Crockett and I got a bunch of books about Davy Crockett and found the sheet music online and he was able to pick it out on the piano and he wanted to get the costume and so and you know now he's really interested in guns and so he's learning all about that and this is something that comes from his own interest yeah he was exposed to it but he took the ball and ran with it and you know there's lots of history that he's learning and and we of course don't know exactly what how that's going to shape him but that's a freedom that we have because we homeschool that he's able to explore an interest more deeply so then I started thinking oh well I can't imagine letting it be with anyone else educating him and I hear about those interests and I think okay you know trains well we've got lots of railroad tracks that go through our town you know, can we go look at trains? Can we go get on a train? Can we take a train ride? Can we speak to people who work on trains? Conductors and engineers and mechanics. And, you know, can we start to understand a little bit about the science of trains? I definitely agree. I think it's exciting when we can think about all the different ways that our children are able to explore their own interests. But what's really fun is how they pull us into learning new things for ourselves. And in some ways, they become the teacher and we become the students. Or we're co-learners together, which is one of the fun side benefits of homeschooling that I think really surprised us. Thanks for listening to Homeschool Parents Podcast with Kevin and Joy. If you enjoyed today's episode, could you please leave us a review in iTunes? Until next time, keep building up your family.